Yay! You made it to another episode of the Weekend Hustle podcast. My name is Shelby Oleschlager, and I'll be your host as we dive into barrel racers, athletes, and just people of the world to share, motivate, and inspire us all to be the best that we can be. Together, we can hustle. This episode is brought to you by the brand new We Can Hustle riding community. We've created a members portal for anyone who is serious about their growth in and out of the saddle. I firmly believe that our success in the arena starts with our day-to-day lives and how we show up into the world besides our horses. Just how do we show up? What are we doing to better ourselves that we can take with us in every single aspect of our lives? I'm really excited to introduce this new program. If you'd like to learn more and set up your free call with me to see if this is a good fit for you, please follow the link in the show notes, fill out your application form, and we'll be in touch. I really look forward to hearing from you and hearing your story and your goals and how we can work together to bring out your full potential for you and your horses. For now, enjoy this episode with Nikki and Nadine from Informed Equestrians. From the beginning, like where did this idea come from to work together and to try and share the messages that you're sharing within the horse world? Do you want to take that one, Nikki? (laughs) Yeah, I can take that. There's no problem. So Nadine, do we want to share where it really started and then how we how we landed on what we landed on? Or do you want to want to fast forward to the to the good stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we were on a very similar personal path for a few years. We had met, well, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. And then gradually, very, very gradually, we became closer and closer, which led us to this, which is where you're talking about, Nikki. Yeah. And then I, I've always kind of had it in my head that Nadine would be someone that was, would be great to work with. And I'm someone who I continually like have these ideas that are popping my head, uh, of things that would be fun to do, or, uh, that would be valuable to do. And so Nadine and I, I, I think we started just chatting more over COVID, uh, where we were saying like, oh man, let's like, like, let's work together. And it kind of started when we were thinking of putting together a subscription box of all (laughs) things. Uh, And then we quickly realized that's not really what we were looking to do and started really diving into our values, what it would be that we would want to communicate to the uh, equine community, what we could bring to the equestrian community. And that's really where Informed Equestrian came about. Uh, And then the Canada Horse Podcast, uh, we were speaking with Glenn and he kind of said, you know, I feel like there's a space here for something. I feel like I've listened to your podcast. I feel like you'd be a great host. You know someone. And I was like, I have the perfect girl. And that the rest is really history for that one. That's so cool. So did the podcast come first and then you guys work together? No. So we, we started informed equestrian probably five months before we even thought about doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then we just set a goal of when we wanted to start releasing and recording the podcast. And it just kind of came naturally. We really wanted to have a foundation. Like we set up these pillars that we wanted our informed equestrian to stand for. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to get our values straight and 
see where we, where we could, um, help in the horse community. And then we started planning for the podcast after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what was very grateful for Glenn's match. Yeah. That's awesome. Go where ahead, did, uh, yeah. Where, like, where did that kind of those ideas come from? Like, but with your own history, I guess that you thought that you needed to close that gap of maybe like the knowledge for the people or like the community, like, is that something from your own experience that you realized was missing? Or is that something that was just kind of told to you? I think Nadine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it comes from both of our value in making choices that are right for us and our horses and seeing, I guess, seeing an industry where it's really important, but not necessarily, um, is, I don't know if it's not as valued, but maybe not as talked about in the fact that, you know, there's a lot of opinions in the, in the community and you can kind of go down rabbit holes of doing things that you think are good for you, but really you're only making the choices based on what other people's opinions are and what other people have told you to do. Mm-hmm. And both of us are not those type of people. <laughs> both mm-hmm. of the, of us are, are people that, you know, we want to make decisions for, for us. And we see the importance in that, in our horsemanship as well. And also in just becoming the people that we want to be both in and out of the horse world, really. Would you agree with that, Nadine? Yeah, I would. And I just, I should add in terms of personal experience, I think, um, Shelby, what you're thinking and what you've probably heard us talk about before is that Nikki and I pretty recently have started to go into the reigning discipline. We've started these new things. And what I've seen after now that I've gotten more comfortable in my community, in the groups and and in the discipline, that there are people that will come to clinics and they will be nervous and they don't want to embarrass themselves and they're not sure about speaking up. And I've also heard, we've heard both of us, probably all three of us heard negative comments and judgments and just people that don't want to ask the question because they fear judgment or they fear inconveniencing someone, or they never know if it's the right time, or they don't have access to someone who has actual real knowledgeable information. Like what Nikki was pointing to that it's not necessarily that you're asking a vet about how to care for your horse. You might be asking someone who just happens to own horses for a long time and they might not have the scientific knowledge. They might just have the old farmer's knowledge. And we want to really help people understand why they make the decisions that they make and, Mm -hmm. and to make them based on factual information rather than just word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I really think the, the most important part there is the judgment piece, Nadine, that you spoke about where, when you make the choice that there is a possibility of judgment, but at the same time, how do we not allow that to affect us? How do we become really strong in the decisions that we make? And when we land on a really important why that allows us to have the confidence in our decisions for both ourselves and our horses. And just, I guess, to understand that we're a safe place that people can feel like they can hear conversations uh, about, you know, I think in the podcast, Nadine, we kind of, we make sure that people understand that just because we're on the air on a podcast, just because we have an educational uh, platform of some sort, just because we're putting information out there, we're not perfect. We don't know everything. We're on a path to learn. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's what's, what it's all about really. And we're never going to know everything. And so if people are continually judging, then it actually, it stifles us 
And so we want to just say, like, if you don't know it, ask the question. If you want to know, want to know more, then find the people that are speaking your language versus the people that are actually just talking down or whichever else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's so many things there that like you could unpack, but just the whole aspect of being comfortable, like just what you said, needing to vote, being comfortable asking those questions and not being afraid. Like it stems from something more than just your riding experience. Like it comes from your past and just how you view yourself. And that's what I think like the biggest thing is the whole, like you guys say a lot of like in and out of the saddle. And I've always been that believer where, yeah, like the things that you learn out of the saddle, you completely carry with you when you're learning the the new disciplines and how you're going to show up for that, which I definitely really appreciate that from your guys' work. And just talking about the whole like connected, being present, are there things that you've noticed from being more involved in the community now that people are doing, like a common theme that make people kind of act maybe not as connected with their horses or more fearful to show up? One thing I've noticed for sure, and I definitely won't take credit for this being anything to do with us, but I saw a number of people wearing helmets this summer in their riding classes in raining and ranch riding. And I was just so proud. And like I say, we, we did a podcast and talked a lot about helmet safety and awareness and not judging people or shaming people into it, but just making the decision based on yourself when that works for you. But I just, I, it, it just excited me so much to see so many more people this year wearing helmets than the last time. That was one of the big differences I've noticed. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's just the next step in people getting comfortable and, and being able to make those decisions. Um, but if we're kind of thinking of different things that we're seeing, you know, I think there's a shift happening in the horse world. And if you look at social media, if you look at the different clinics that are being offered, the different educational experiences, podcasts, whichever else, I think you're, we're starting to see that connection of outside of the arena really affecting what's going on inside of the arena. Um, and just understanding that those two worlds are very much, um, they're very much combined, even if we want to feel like they're not like our horse world, that's our, our horse life versus this is me in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe where we see that, or maybe where I, I tend to see that the most, um, is in like how people are speaking the words they use to describe their horse and things like that. So, um, I feel like, I feel like there's a big shift happening. I feel like it's, it's starting to make a big change in how people are interacting with their horses because they're starting to become more self-aware and then they start to see the influence that they have over their horses. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I like, I barrel race and I'm definitely an observer and just watching people, like you just said, how you're feeling almost is how you're going to affect your horses in your performance. And then it's like, if you're mad and angry and you're wearing a sad face or whatever it be, like you're going to act like that in your run or you're in, in your performance. And I think that's kind of cool. Like, I love that you guys got into raining because I've been kind of thinking of doing something different, like just mixing it up and trying something new and not being afraid of like, well, I'm going to be a beginner in this new field. So what has that kind of been like? taking on a new discipline and like just immersing in a different world like that. 
It's, uh, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. It brings up a lot of things. The helmet thing being one of them, because I actually came from the English world, tossed the helmet when I went into the Western world and now going into this other discipline and, and Nadine and I having the conversations that we've had, it's made it, you know, to its forefront. And I love that I work with Nadine who goes into the arena, even though we're into this new discipline and she feels more comfortable with a helmet on than she does with her helmet off. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, Nadine, but that seems to be the case. And so it really encourages me to feel like, okay, I need to, I need to figure out what's going on there. Um, otherwise, I mean, I feel like it's really exciting and and the community has been really welcoming. Uh, go ahead, Nadine. Yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you and just say that starting a new discipline just opens you up to an entirely new community and group of friends and also different potentially ways, potential ways of doing things, which mm -hmm. is another thing that we kind of talk about a lot is the English world may do something one way and the Western world may do, may do something totally different. Same with barrel racers and rainers. And if you're open-minded enough to see the ways that could be different, that you could improve in your training or just your horse care in general, it's, it's just unlimited the amount of things that you can learn from other people, whether you're a beginner and they're advanced or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like, like my reason of wanting to maybe do something different is to learn that different thing. And it's like, you don't know what you don't know and being that open-minded. And like you said early, earlier, Nikki is just like, we're not perfect. Like you have a podcast. It doesn't mean that oh, I know everything. And I think a lot of this, like what we're doing, it's just kind of teaching that through the example of we're open-minded and trying to gain more insight to better just ourselves and better our performance or just our horsemanship so we can show up and actually enjoy our weekends and enjoy the progress and not just maybe like those results. No, like you're teaching through example. And even like the helmet thing, I think that's really neat that you've seen a lot just a lot of people not caring as much, I guess, and just doing what's best for them. I think it's neat too, because when you, when you start to actually decide, Nadine and I have spoken about this, I think on the podcast too, but when you actually start to decide what discipline you want to do, because oftentimes we get into a discipline because our parents, they bought a certain horse for us, or we were in pony club, or, you know, it's, it was what the barn that we ended up boarding at, what they mostly did. And then as you become an adult, you tend to say, wait a second, like maybe I want to do something else. And for myself, I looked around and I said, what do I like to see the most? Like, what am I looking at and saying, I don't quite know how to do that, but I really like it. And I'd like to have that in my horse. And really that, that was raining for me was the horsemanship and the riding was just, it was the next level really. Um, so if I was in the English world, I'm sure that I, and still, then I, I probably would have done the same thing where I really looked around and went like, what's the next level and, and what do I want to do? Um, and I think it's so fun to be able to look around and say like, what disciplines are there and what do I actually like about them? And how can I learn that? And if I don't want to stay in that discipline, how can I take something from that and go back to, you know, apply it to what I'm already doing? Mm -hmm. Nadine, why did you choose reigning? Well, it's, it's funny because I wrote about this in the chapter of our book that we're doing. And I, it's, it was literally something that happened when I was a teenager, when I saw my first reigning horse and he was just this beautiful done horse. And it just stuck in my head that I just 
always wanted uh, a reigning horse. And because of the, I think because of the physicality and their athletic ability, I just think it's so beautiful. Um, but other than that, I love how broke those horses are. Like, I love that you can just sit there and you can get them to do something complete, like so at a, such a high level with such little movement. I, I think it's just magical, really what horses will do for us. And to see them do that, it just amazes me still. So that's why. That's one of my favorite stories. Your done horse story. You're like dream. You see it and you're like, that's what I want. And then if you read her story, guys, like it's so good because you actually see it come to be. So it's really neat. Can you give us like a short form? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I grew up um, as a backyard rider, like riding my pony in the field with a bareback and halter. And I had a a job at a riding stable when I was a kid, I never was in competition and I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I worked hard to support the horse that I had at the time. And I I had come across this reigning horse that apparently was a, it was probably either sired by Hollywood done it at that time because, or, or a grandson of, because he had just been inducted into the hall of fame at that point in the NRHA. And so I just had it in my mind for years. And then about, 15 years later, I found my Hollywood Dunnett grandson. He was a red Dunn quarter horse that I brought back from Saskatchewan to Nova Scotia when I moved. And he just became my heart horse. And we learned not only about reining, but all different disciplines. And and I had a huge shift in my horsemanship with him. And it just kind of came full circle and and meant a lot to me. And now here I am competing in reining with all kinds of reining bred horses. And it's just a it just was a full circle moment for me to have that dream and now to be able to live it and to make the choice. Like Nikki said, you know, maybe if I didn't like raining when it came to it, I could make that for myself, but now I'm seeing it come to fruition and it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And you know, now like it actually was like, it was truly like what you were almost like just thinking of and dreaming of back then. Yeah. I mean, how long, like to hold on to a dream (laughs) for that long and to not actively be pursuing it. I went probably six years without even learning anything about horses. I was working and having a career moving across Canada and living in cities and stuff. And I just held on to it like deep inside. It was deep. And then when I brought it back, it was still there, you know, just as strong. This passion for horses is no joke. <laughs> yeah. So I tell everybody, I'm like, if you're getting into it, like be prepared because it is addicting. And even when I go to a barrel race, people are like, I didn't, ha- I didn't have a good run or this didn't happen. It's like, yeah, that's why we're still here is because we haven't perfected it. Like there's always something more to learn and grow and experience. And I'm like, we're going to be here for life because we're never done experiencing something new. Like there's just so many possibilities for us. Yeah. That reminds me actually, when I was really young, maybe maybe 10, I was taking a riding lesson one time and I must've said something to my riding coach about, you know, do you know everything about horses or you must know everything? Mm. And she said, if the day I know everything about horses is the day I need to get a new hobby. Yeah. There's, I just will never know all there is to know about horses. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because we were actually speaking about that this weekend because a memory came up on Facebook and four years ago, my husband and I were teaching a sorting clinic in the Valley and the exact same time, like this past weekend, we were teaching a three-man, two-gate sorting clinic in the Valley at the same barn mm-hmm. and with some of the same people. And we stood the last hour of the clinic, we stood and just talked with the whole group mm-hmm. about 
riding and their horses and, you know, what they want to improve and what level they're at right now versus where they want to be. And, and I mean, these are riders who've been riding for years and years. And Mike joked and said, maybe some of them have ridden longer than I've even been alive. And it's true. Like it, there is so much to learn. And I think we all can agree that when we get to a certain point, we're like, oh man, I've been in it forever. And I feel like I know nothing. (laughs) Mm. I know Nadine, you and I are heading into a week of that where we're going into a big clinic together. And I know about day two, we're probably going to look at each other and be like, how did we even get this far? We know nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And I, but you know what, Nikki, I think you touched on something important here, which is what we kind of talk about a lot. You can be in horses for 20 years, but maybe your knowledge stopped five years in. Mm. If you don't continue to pursue the knowledge, if you don't continue to practice and put yourself in new environments and new experiences and, and challenge yourself, you might have stopped actually learning about horses a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Totally. And especially if you think you're right always, and I'm reading the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it literally talks about just how you can be closed-minded at a really young age. And once you're there, your education's going to stop there. And that's not a lot. And if you think that you know everything, you need to, hopefully you need to realize it or life is probably going to show you for you that you don't know everything. And if you really are serious about, you know, like getting there, then yeah, you need to just be humble enough and put yourself in that situation to say, yep, I don't know everything. And I'm willing to listen to anyone really. Every person knows something that I don't. That's the whole point of talking and making that community to hopefully within a big group of us will be a well-rounded rider. And I think like, it doesn't matter if someone has owned a horse for a year or if they've owned a horse for 50 years, the person who has owned a horse for a year has had much different experiences than that other person. Mm-hmm. And we can learn something. I guarantee you, we can learn something from every single person, even if it's not what, not what to do or what yeah. not to do. <laughs> My words aren't coming out <laughs> the right order. Um, but you know what I mean? Like we, every single person can teach us something. And if you meet everyone with that, you know, mindset, then it's amazing versus trying to meet people with the, I guess the mindset to like debunk or to prove them wrong or to show that you're always right. Mm -hmm. And I really, I feel like when we're, you know, speaking on the podcast or putting stuff out on social media, I think that's a, a pretty big goal of ours, Nadine, where we're really just saying, it's not a matter of, this is right or wrong. It's a matter of conversation and discussion. I was at a clinic this past summer and, and I saw that somebody's polos were wrapped the wrong way, the wrong way, according mm-hmm. to you know <laughs> what I've been taught my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, very strictly taught. Yeah. And so we started having a conversation about it. And there was a woman in the clinic who she actually went and she's had some education recently on wrapping horses legs and you know the importance of it and and why we do it and all of that sort of thing and she was able to just step up and say you know what maybe based on the research it's not as important as we've been told for so long and i was just like i'm so glad that we had the conversation because now i can be less stressed when i see people and i don't have an opportunity to be able to say like do mm-hmm. you know because it maybe it's just one of those things that we were like, yeah, you have to, because some 
person that has been rapping that way for 70 years said you absolutely, but there's no scientific reasoning behind it. I love that example. What a great example, because I know how strict you are on the polo. So what can (laughs) you just like quickly just tell us like, what was different? Like what, what is the difference that from what you would normally do? So the difference is that I, you know, and anyone who is a polo wrapper, you know, that you wrap towards the back. So you always know you need to pull the 10 or like push the tendons away from you. And this particular person who had the education behind her was saying, it's less about that. And it's, it's really just offering the protection because polos don't offer support. Like we've been taught for all of these years, they don't, they don't, And same with boots, same with like sports medicine boots. They're not there for support. They're there for protection against some sort of concussion from the shoe or from banging into something. So they said, you know, first of all, it's the direction is less of a concern as we've always been taught it was, but also the importance of, of wrapping, because she's saying that the, I guess the the risk of overheating those tendons is actually maybe more than it is you needing to protect them, which I was amazed by. And so it's made me actually think about when I wrap my horses, why I wrap my horses. I bought different polo wraps that have like they're elastic and they have air spaces between each elastic so that it's more airy. And I'm really starting to think about the heat of my horse's legs versus, you know, this perception of supporting them when I'm actually just protecting them. Interesting. I've also heard just the fact of like the supporting them isn't necessarily even a good thing because you want them to have that natural strength anyways. But if you're saying that it hardly even would make a difference either way, then yeah. One of my pet peeves that I hope if anyone listening that does this is having the neoprene wraps and not taking them off that like, because yeah. I don't know if that, if you guys use them a lot, but obviously for barrel racers, it's a thing that I can use them every day. And my hands, even because the Velcro, like I lose like my finger, like the end of my fingers after a weekend of riding a bunch of horses, because I'm just constantly taking them on and off. But some people I've seen, they leave them on like all day. And I just am mm-hmm. like, oh, that horse's legs. That's the real concern. And there's a couple of reasons. Sorry, Nadine, I just cut you off, but no, no, there's no, a couple reasons. Just, go ahead, Nikki. You don't know how much sand went in there. You don't know if a, if a rock was lodged in there, if a stick went up there. And I know that, you know, if you're just running in the arena, maybe there's no sticks, but mm-hmm. you don't know that. And the other part is this, this heat. Like I never thought about the fact that I was, that the wraps were actually creating more heat and then how that affects the rest of their body when you don't allow those, those legs to cool down properly. So I, you know, it's, there's so much to it. There's just so much to it. Nadine, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, same thing. And it's just, it's just one, one small example of the things that we've been able to discuss on, through our platforms and, and learn ourselves and also help to bring that to light to people. Cause there have been a lot more studies I think done since 20 years ago, when you learned that in pony club and you just think about all the things that you know, for sure. And then until it has been proven otherwise, or until a better option has come about, and then all of a sudden there's many options and there are different reasons why people do different things because of their own particular horse or their own circumstance. And I love Nikki, the way that you had the conversation with the woman that wasn't in a judgment, but was just in a curiosity. And we really try to 
mm-hmm. kind of come from that point of view. I'm just curious why. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like, I and could, it's, oh, what? Sorry, Shelly. I was going to say, and it's like, you could say, I might be wrong, but this is what I was taught. What were you taught? Just something as simple. Like it can be approachable. And also just people like, don't be afraid to ask that or approach someone be like, I'm just curious. Like just a genuine curiosity. Why are you doing it like that? And then you can weigh the options yourself and make your own judgment that you think suits you. Yeah. And I think too, like our beliefs, what we believe is right or wrong is it's so biased, right? So it's, you know, it's based on our own experiences, but those aren't even necessarily a hundred percent reality. And there's two situations that happened recently, totally unhorse related, but both of them popped in my head when you were speaking. And one was, I was driving down the road with a woman and she was driving and a car ahead of her cut into a lane. And she was like, he didn't even use his blinker. And I had watched him put his blinker on and she was, so I had seen the blinker, but she hadn't because of where she was on the road versus I was in the passenger seat. So I could see the blinker and he moved so quick. She didn't see it. And she was floored. Like that was what she was so upset about is this gentleman did not use his blinker and he cut this person off um, without using his blinker. But in reality, yes, he cut the guy off, but he definitely had his blinker on. And then the other one was yesterday morning. This is a bit sadder or more sad. We were driving my, I was driving my daughter to school and there was a deer on the side of the road and it had been hit the night before. And so then we were coming home and she looked across the road. We were just on the road in a different direction. And she looked over and she said, oh, mommy, there's a deer, a dead deer on the side of the road. And I said, yes, honey, there is. She said, that wasn't there this morning. And I didn't correct her even though I had seen it in the morning, I didn't say like, do you think there could have, it could have been, but it's just that perception. We only see so much. We only want to see so much. So she created her own reality and saying like the deer wasn't there this morning. It must've got hit this afternoon. That's so sad. Like she had her own story made up. Yeah. That just puts it in perspective of how powerful our own perception is, which is honestly like, it could be kind of scary going through life and just always thinking like what you see is real, because like you said, it's completely abstract based on your own, like your own perception of it. And in regards to horses, it's like, holy, because you can approach a horse and view it in a certain way. Meanwhile, someone, and that's where like, I think having a coach and you guys taking clinics is so awesome to have that outside person to say, Hey, you see it this way, but how I see it as like an outsider is completely different and it's eye opening. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, for sure. And I think like Nikki, we were talking about earlier, the shift in different um, horsemen and, and horsemanship and training over the last few years. And I think a lot is going to happen mm-hmm. in the next few years, but people like Warwick Schiller and Mark Rashid and Jim Anderson, people that really are understanding the horse itself, the body language and the, the different behaviors of the horse and helping humans understand that so that we can act in a way that is less detrimental to them and, and more positive in their environment, I think is really going to help us as all as horsemen too going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much, there's, like you said, there's so much more education, I think on that now. And 
yeah, it's just like being willing to look at it that way and say, Hey, what do these guys have to say? And just the whole idea still of our own personal development. And I think I read it on your website, just like knowing your why behind the stuff you're doing and always carrying that with you, like always asking those type of questions. Do like these daily habits of like understanding your whys and reevaluating what you're being told kind of like, if that makes sense, like just kind of always going back, it needed to make sense for you. Yeah. I think it's really important to know your why. And I think it's really important to be flexible when your why gets challenged. So if you don't know your why, then you're probably basing your decisions for yourself and your horse on someone else's opinion Mm -hmm. or something that you've seen. Um, or you're just doing it like, uh, you know, I had a girl recently that she was like, I got this bridle for Christmas. So this is the bit that I'm using in my horse. And it was not the bit that needed to be used in that horse. So she's been riding for that long in a bit that just didn't suit the horse, but it was what she got for Christmas. And it was, this isn't said from a judgmental place. She didn't know any better. Um, and so then we were able to have a conversation about that, but also, understanding like, okay, this is why I'm doing it allows you to have the confidence to be able to have the conversations with people when they challenge you or ask you the questions and they say, well, you should do this or you should do that. It allows you to just stay strong in what the decisions that you've made and have confidence there. But then it also keeps you open-minded enough to be able to say, but what if my why right now isn't suitable for later? Like, what if I need to shift my why? Because now I know better so I can do better. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, my husband is a really great advocate for making sure you know why, because he questions everything and he lives outside the box. I live inside the box and I follow the rules and I do things how they're supposed to be done and read the instructions. And he's like, completely, I'm going to build my own path and do things the way I want to do. And I think that this I think he was the reason that I started questioning things in my horse world because he was not a horse person when he came into this with me. And then he would question things. Well, why do you do it that way? It would be more efficient if you did it this way. And I'm like, I don't know. That's just the way it's been done. That's just the way I was taught. And even so much that like I would sweep the burn and he would be like, why don't you just use a leaf blower? And I'd be like, well, it's going to create too much dust and blah, blah, blah. Oh and gosh, why would I do that? It's the same. <laughs> and, and I started doing it and now I won't sweep the barn ever because all I will use is the leaf blower because it doesn't even make as much dust as the broom. <laughs> and it's just those little things where I used to make fun of him because everything he does is motorized. Like he literally would take the garbage out with the tractor if it didn't look weird. <laughs> But, but it really, it's nice when he, when somebody can question that and you can be open-minded enough, Mm. took me a little while, but now I use the leaf blower to sweep the barn. (laughs) I love that example because we're in the process of like, we have to clean out the building for the show this weekend. And Mike's first thought was we can use the leaf blower (laughs) instead of the broom. (laughs) Good job. You're right. That's your job. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. Just challenging your own belief. Like, Hey, why don't you do it this way? And it's like, Oh, that's actually a great idea. And it works. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we get so stuck in our beliefs that we're actually making our life more difficult. Mm -hmm. And we just want to so badly have that be what's right. That we're like, just got blinders on. Mm -hmm. And if some, if we could just open our eyes just for a second, then somebody could very easily just make our life a little easier and, we need, I think we all need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like just 
just the idea of you don't know what you don't know. So just being open-minded enough and trying different things as well. And even just like listening to this, I hope people listening can gather a lot of insight from this and challenge those beliefs and challenge themselves a bit more to just kind of step up themselves and step up their riding and just their overall like well-being and enjoyment of the sport that we do. So our time's running out. Do you guys have any last minute words that you'd like to give the listeners? I think one thing that I would share that we have definitely said in the past is that that you don't know what someone else's circumstances are and we all have horses to enjoy them. And it's most likely a hobby, if not a profession where people are making income from, and it would suit you the most to have compassion for other people and to just allow yourself and others to enjoy everything that there is about horses instead of sitting back on the side of the ring and judging. I love that. That's exactly where I would have taken that Nadine. And to add to it just a little bit is that we're absolutely privileged to be in the horse world and to know others who are just as passionate about, about horses. So that being said, it would be amazing if people enter into the horse world and they go, what an amazing community that is Mm -hmm. rather than saying I was in the horse world once and I had to leave because I was judged, bullied, um, you know, made to feel like I didn't belong all of those other things that really just, you know, really shouldn't belong in the horse world or any community that being said. Yep. I totally agree. And I've said it before. It's like, we're all here because we love horses. And the fact like that we have that divide in our community still, it's like, we're all here for the same reasons because we truly love the horses. We love what it brings in our lives. And yeah, like, let's just always remember that when you see someone or see someone at a different chapter in the horse world or they're starting, they're just getting into it. It doesn't, doesn't determine their level of like humanity. So just always treat people with kindness Absolutely. and it together. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. Um, I guess last thing we have one minute left before my thing runs out, but where can everyone reach you guys if they want to listen to your podcast and learn more about you? Yeah. So we're Canada horse podcast can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and at informed equestrian on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. (laughs) Awesome. I'll uh, be sure to link all that and your TikTok in the show notes. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Shelby. And thank you guys so much for listening and being a part of this journey and just giving all the support that you've given the We Can Hustle platform and especially this podcast. It means so much to hear your kind words and to hear how much this has helped you. And I am fully all for giving all the help and resources and tools that I can. And that is my mission. I'm here to help you along your own journeys as well. And we can walk through this together this crazy horse world that we're a part of, we can do it together. We don't have to be alone. With that being said, I really encourage you to be a part of our community and really take your growth and potential seriously. I think together we're capable of so much more than we realize and we really need that support, especially in this independent sport. So if that's something you're interested in, I really encourage you to check it out. The link is going to be below and I cannot wait to share this all with you within this process of trying to become our best selves in and out of the saddle.